Hi, you're listening to The Crime Cafe, and I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to remind you that uh, each author interviewed at The Crime Cafe has contributed a story or essay to the Season 1 Crime Cafe Story Package, which only costs 99 cents. You can get it on my website at debbiemack.com under Crime Cafe. it's 16 novels, shorts, and essays for 99 cents. So that's a real deal. That's better than any box set that's out there. Uh, in any case, um, it's my great pleasure to have today uh, Jeff Cohen, who is, um, he writes under the name E.J. Copperman also. And he has been called maybe the funniest mystery writer on the planet and the Dave Barry of the Jersey Turnpike. So Jeff, um, what that, say what say you to that? <laughs> I would like to know who the funnier person is on, you know, like Venus. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little worrisome, but you know, it's, uh, we're up to the competition. Okay, well, um, fair fair enough. I think you're at least as funny as Dave Barry, if not more so. I don't know. I mean, who am I to judge? Dave and I don't hang out at the same bar, so I don't know. True, that's true. I mean, Dave is funny, but. But funny. you're funny in your own way. So, I like to think so. I definitely think so. And uh, let's start. Let's start. I want to start off by just saying that you have a most impressive bibliography. I mean, in terms of <laughs> the number of series that you've uh, published. Well, I mean, you know, what we what we lack in quality, we make up in quantity. <laughs> well, since uh, you're working or you're going to be releasing soon an Asperger's mystery. I want to talk about those first. Okay. And I am personally familiar with them, so having read the first one. And uh, tell me about what inspired uh, that the particular series and uh, about the series in general and about your next book. Wow, that's a lot. That's um, a lot, yes. Please yeah. feel free to expound. <laughs> <laughs> well, the... Uh... I, I wrote a character um, who had Asperger's in my first series, in the Aaron Tucker series a bazillion years ago. And um, he was sort of, I wouldn't say based on my son. Um, he sort of was inspired by my son, I would say, um, who was, you know, considerably younger at the time. Now he's 26. Um, and he has Asperger's and we, you know, had the usual sort of family things that go on when you have a, a child who, you know, needs some extra help in certain areas. Um, but the, uh, the current Asperger series, the, the, uh, the series with Samuel Honig is, is, um, as was inspired more or less by the idea that someone, um, with that kind of, uh, we wouldn't even call it a, a disorder necessarily. Samuel certainly wouldn't. He would think that it was, um, you know, kind of personality trait. Um, that someone like that would narrate the story himself. Um, I wasn't, I had read a couple other books where it was like, you know, somebody tells you about, you know, this kind of quirky character they met. No boy. Um, I wanted to see somebody, I wanted to kind of be inside their head. And uh, because I write, you know, crime fiction, um, it became a mystery series. Um, but Samuel is not a detective, and he will tell you that um, repeatedly, actually. Um, he answers questions for a living. His uh, his business is quite 
you know, straightforward. It's called Questions Answered. And uh, he has a little storefront in what used to be a pizzeria. And uh, if you come to his store or call him up and ask him a question, he will answer it um, if he finds it interesting. Um, if he doesn't, he's going to probably tell you to go Google it and leave him alone. Um, but we don't write about the ones that are, you know, not interesting. So uh, in, in, in the books, he always finds the question interesting. Uh, otherwise, it would be a very short book. <laughs> Can you answer this question? Yeah. No. You know, that's, that's about it. You <laughs> Not know. much fun. You know, leave me alone. Go away. Um, so that's where, you know, that's where the, the series got started. And it, it's, for me, kind of, every, I think every crime fiction writer in the last hundred years, at least, um, has had their notion of Sherlock Holmes you know, and Samuel is kind of my Sherlock Holmes. Um, in fact, I gave him the same initials uh, so that he would, you know, kind of inspire that thought. Um, but what he does is he considers it research because uh, that's what he's good at. He, you know, until he opened the, the business, he was up in his mom's attic uh, living in his, what he calls his apartment, um, doing you know, just researching things on the internet because he was interested in finding out about them. Um, so he has this kind of very broad, uh, you know, database of knowledge in his head. Um, so he can, you know, every once in a while, if I need him to just know something, I can say, well, I did some research on that, you know, six years ago because I, you know, was bored on a Tuesday. Um, and uh, that way, you know, he, we can we can cut out a lot of you know kind of boring exposition if he just knows it, um, and that's where I came from. And the first book was the question of the missing head was uh, about a you know this head that got missing. It was um, it was set in a uh, cryogenics lab, um, and they you know had lost one of what they called their guests. Um, somebody had donated or at least you know paid to have their cranium preserved um, in the hope that someday not only would science find a way to cure whatever it was that uh, killed them, but also to attach a detached head to some other body. Um, and the head had gone missing. So Samuel found that interesting and came to investigate and things go steadily downhill from there. Um, but in the, uh, in the new book, and the one that's just coming out now, it's called The Question of the Unfamiliar Husband. And that is, um, in that one, a, uh, a woman comes to him and says, I want, you know, can you tell me who that man is in my bed who says that he's my husband? And, you know, she claims that, you know, they were, they were married when she was, you know, sort of incapacitated and doesn't remember anything about it and wants to know who he really is. So that's where the jumping off point goes. And what do you know, things go steadily downhill from there. Naturally. Sure. That's the idea. You know, it's a murder mystery is somebody's got to, you know, go belly up at some point. Um, so things happen and, you know, then Samuel has more questions to answer. Well, I got to tell you that uh, I admire anybody who can turn murder mysteries into funny stories. So, well, 
the the key really is to not so much focus on the fact that somebody's dead. Um, you know, because that's not very funny. Unless it's somebody everybody hated, in which case, like, why would the reader care about them getting justice? Um, so you, for me anyway, the way you, you kind of find humor in that is to examine the reaction that other people have to the event rather than the event itself. I will never write a funny murder. Um, I don't think that's possible. Um, at least not, I can't do it. Um, but the way all the characters around, you know, the deceased react to the event is more interesting to me anyway, because I find character more interesting than plot. Um, and longtime readers probably have realized that by now. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so that's where I'll, you know, kind of find it. And also all, all of the series right now are first person narratives. So, Quite often, not in Samuel's case, but in the other ones, um, you'll find that the, the humor kind of comes in the narrator commenting on what's going on. Is it a matter often of the narrator's perspective then? Yeah. The way they perceive uh, things? Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. It's, um, I know with Samuel, it's definitely that way. With Samuel, again, he's not trying to make you laugh. He doesn't. Uh, exactly. He's not, he's not approaching it that way. He doesn't think it's funny, um, except on very rare occasions. Sometimes he will try to, to be funny about something and it's, you know, quite bad at it. Um, mm -hmm. But the, again, I think in, in those books, especially the humor comes in how people react to him because the way he perceives things and the way that, you know, he kind of lives his life, he, thinks that he's acting very logically. But a lot of the things that he does would be considered extremely unusual among people who, you know, don't have some form of autism somewhere along the line. Um, so the humor comes in people kind of reacting to what he's doing, him thinking that he's just, you know, being completely, you know, reasonable about what's going on and everybody else kind of looking at him like, you know, what is deal mm -hmm. with this guy yeah so, it doesn't hurt also that all my narrators are from new jersey so you know we speak uh we speak the national language of new jersey which is sarcasm uh, <laughs> except samuel who's never sarcastic <laughs> uh, not intentionally at any rate no um, i don't think you can be unintentionally sarcastic i think that would be tough you might be perceived as sarcastic well yeah certainly that's kind of what i meant um Okay, well, I noticed that uh, in your previous series, you used puns a lot as titles. And I thought yeah, that, that was... It kind of became a habit, you know. Um, I'm not a huge fan of puns. I don't, I don't, I hear all the time that it's the lowest form of humor, and I don't think that's true. Um, I agree with you there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's quite clear that, you know, the lowest form of humor is probably the Three Stooges, but... Um, puns don't bother me. It's just, I didn't want to be kind of locked into that box where I always had to have one. Um, but you know, publishers being the way they are, they will come back and go, well, this one doesn't have a pun in it. And you'll go, yes. <laughs> and, and the response generally is, well, all the other ones did. So this one has to as well. Um, 
So, you know, you kind of get locked in there. It's like the first, the Aaron Tucker series, the first one that I did, um, the first novel, which I kind of wrote by accident, um, was called For Whom the Minivan Rolls. And the second book then, the publisher said to me, well, we should do another kind of Hemingway, you know, parody thing. And I was like, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to be the Hemingway parody series, you know. But unfortunately, what happened in the second book was that the victim was this guy that Aaron knew from high school days that they always used to call Crazy Legs. And the title got stuck in my head, A Farewell to Legs. And so we had to use it, you know. So now I'm stuck with this Hemingway thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so then, you know, the, the rest of the books after that kind of became puns and, you know, we got lost in that for a while. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and the fact is that, that in the Asperger series, the original title of The Question of the Missing Head was Cooler Heads um, because it was a frozen head. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the publisher went, well, we kind of want to have the idea of questions in there. And, you know, it would sound it has more of a Sherlock Holmes feel to it and stuff. And I was like, ah, okay, you know, I can, I can roll with that. You know, like you want a different title, we'll come up with a different title, you know, whatever works. Well, that's very interesting that you kind of stumbled on that whole literary uh, genre Oh, I've stumbled on writing books was a complete and total accident. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was a screenwriter and a very unsuccessful one and um, spent 20 years trying to sell screenplays with various degrees of no success at all. And when I got stuck on the idea for my next screenplay because it kept kind of coming up as a first-person narrative in my head, I didn't know what to do about it. Um, so I started writing it as if it were going to be a book because I knew it wasn't a book, but I figured this way I can fool the character into thinking he's telling the story and this will teach me in, in writing it, I'll learn how to write the screenplay. And I got about halfway through and I was like, well, it's about half a book now. And I didn't know what to do with that. But the freelance writer in me said, if you write half of something, you finish it because they're not going to pay for half. And so I finished it, and, you know, after 20 years of trying to sell screenplays and not selling any, I sold the book in five days. So go figure it out. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so you really stumbled into novel writing, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a complete and total no accident. Idea. Yeah. I never intended to do that. And now I'm on, like, book 15 or something. It's Well, I'm uh, stunned and impressed. Imagine how I felt. <laughs> Uh, I take it you're a big movie fan since you had a whole series about uh, movies with movie title puns and well, yeah, I mean, screenplays. I well, I didn't try to write screenplays. I actually wrote screenplays. Well, you wrote them. Trying to sell them to was sell the difficult them. part. Yes. Um, that was that was kind of the tricky part. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I, you know, I I write screenplay. I have written screenplays, and I teach screenwriting at, at Drexel University in Philadelphia. And um, I'm, I've always been a huge movie fan, particularly comedy. Um, so when the, when the Aaron Tucker series was, you know, obviously going to be finished, you know, when we weren't going to do another book, and it wasn't because the publisher didn't want it, but he kind of felt like it was time for me to move on to a bigger publishing house, and I sort of agreed with him. Um, when that time came around, I was like, well, 
I didn't, you know, I had never written a book. There wasn't an Aaron Tucker book before, so I didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, if Aaron was in different circumstances, if he didn't have the wife and the kids and the dog and all that stuff, um, and he didn't, and he wasn't a freelance writer like I was, because when I wrote the first book, like who thought anybody was going to read it? Um, what would his life be like? And I thought, oh, my kind of fantasy business would have been to buy myself a one screen movie theater and show only comedies and show like a, a classic comedy first and then a contemporary one later on to get people to actually show up. And so I knew I couldn't do that because I was never going to have enough money to do any of that stuff. And the business would probably die in three months anyway. Um, but I figured that doesn't have to be my problem if the person who's doing it is a fictional character. So I made Elliot Freed up so that he could have a good time doing that and I didn't have to pay for anything. It all works out in the end. So we had fun with that. Was, that was a fun series. I enjoyed that a lot. That was, you know, un unfortunately it only went three books and then the publisher went, you know, we're really actually in this business to make a profit. So let's move on to something else. Oh my goodness. That's the uh, Comedy Tonight series? It's Yes, it's the Comedy Tonight series, formerly known as the Double Feature series. Ah, and uh, I noticed that you're self-publishing those now. Yeah, we got the rights back to those, and they are now available um, you know, as e-books, but you can also get a uh, print-on-demand version if you want it. And uh, what do you think about, uh, what are your thoughts on self-publishing versus traditional publishing? I've never self-published anything original. I've never, you know, tried to just start from scratch and write something and self-publish it. So I don't really have a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the only thing that I've done is put out books that had already come out that were now out of print. And I thought, well, let's, you know, let's keep them available. Um, so that's really all I know about. I, I, I can't give you a, an intelligent opinion on uh, self-publishing because I haven't actually done it. Well, as as somebody who has self-published some books, do you feel that they're getting seen? That's a darn good question. Um, based on the you know royalty statements I get, they're being seen by a very small number of people. <laughs> um, but again, I think you're you're dealing kind of with an anomaly because it's a product that if people had wanted to buy it before they could have gotten it in a physical book for, you know, six ninety nine or something like that. Um, so it's, I don't think it's representative of what self publishing is. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that, you know, there are people who are self publishing things that they just write as an original story and put it out there and they're doing quite well with it. So, you know, my experience is not something that I think, you know, is representative. Okay. Um, you also have two more series coming out next year and the year after that. That's right. Um, well, I mean, we're, what, what made a lot of this possible um, was the Haunted Guest House series, which started, I'm writing the eighth book now, and the seventh one comes out in December. Uh, that's called Ghost in the Wind. And... Um, and when we, when the publisher asked me to use a pseudonym for that series, and we came up with E.J. Copperman, those books did quite nicely. 
Um, so that meant that I could start coming out, you know, like writing other things and kind of throw, you know, send them out to publishers and see what they thought. And as long as EJ Copperman was doing okay, um, they might be more interested. So there will be two more series. The one that starts next year is coming out in June of next of 2016. Um, that's a series in which a, um, a woman who writes um, crime fiction, writes, you know, kind of not really cozy mysteries, but sort of, you know, uh, I guess kind of procedurals. Um, her character is this guy named Duffy Madison, who um, is a consultant with the county prosecutor in New Jersey. Uh, if there's a major crime, the local police don't generally handle it so much as the county prosecutor will send out an investigator or a team of investigators. Um, so he's a consultant with them and he works strictly on missing persons cases. And so she's finishing up the, I think, fifth book in the series when the story begins. And she is contacted um, by a consultant from the county prosecutor's office who says that his name is Duffy Madison and he believes that he is the personification of her fictional character. Um, it's a little weird, but you know, you'll get used to it after a few pages. And um, it's, it, I had a lot of fun with that one. So I think other people might as well. Um, and the first book in that one is called Written Off. Uh, and that's, like I said, it's coming out in June. And then the following year at some point, um, there will be uh, the first book in a series about a uh, theatrical agent um, whose clients are all animals. Um, she doesn't work with humans at all, except like the ones who own the animals who she considers an inconvenience. Um, and uh, in that book, in the first book in that series, um, she's representing this dog um, who's trying to get a part as Sandy in the latest revival of Annie on Broadway. And his owner ends up, uh, you know, kind of face down in the dog's water dish with a knife in his back. So uh, she has to kind of like start working from there. And things go steadily downhill. Naturally. Sure. That's and, the and, idea. And you do as, all this in a funny way. One hopes. <laughs> as, as my friend Ian Abrams at Drexel always says, nobody wants to see your character have a nice day. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point? This is oh. what I'm saying. It's nice for them, but not so much for, you know, like an audience or a reader. Exactly. Well, um... I only have a couple of other questions. For one thing, do you ever sleep? <laughs> you have so much going on, so many series so I've, that you're writing. I have worked it out to the point where I can, uh, in my head, I've scheduled myself so that as soon as one book is done, I have a week or 10 days, something like that after that, before I have to start the next one. So, I'm, so I'm constantly, you know, kind of, working to a deadline and you know, I've been freelance for 30 years. Um, so I'm really good at hitting deadlines. Um, and that really isn't, you know, it's not a mystical process. It's not magic. Um, it's a job like anything else. And you sit down and you do it. And if you write a thousand words a day, which isn't that much, you'll have a book in two and a half, three months. So you can do four a year. And that's at the moment, that's what I'm doing. 
you know, and hopefully if people, you know, keep liking the books and buy them, I'll continue to do that. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, since uh, I got on the subject of movies, what are your favorite movies? Oh, man, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but pick I, a, I could give you a list of 50, you know. I know, I, I know. Just be scratching the surface. Um, Desert Island movies. Like, you you only have to let's see, first of all, agree with you. No, see, that's no good because that assumes that I'm on a desert island that has a Where DVD there's no, player. I know. I, you know <laughs> at that point, I'm looking for a documentary called How to Get Off a Desert Island with Nothing But a DVD Player. You know? <laughs> so that's really, you know, that doesn't, that, that scenario that doesn't work good, for me. Actually. Yeah, I would think. I don't think we should work on Maybe that. Maybe I'll make that movie. <laughs> I'll consult. Actually, actually, if you want to hire my son, he'll, you know, help you. He's a film and video graduate, so, you know, he's got a degree and he knows what he's doing. Fantastic. I, I don't, but he does. <laughs> um, oh, man. Desert Island. I can give you 10, maybe. Okay. Um, wow. At least three by the Marx Brothers. So it would be probably Monkey Business, uh, Horse Feathers, and Duck Soup. Um, North by Northwest, certainly. Mm -hmm. Young Frankenstein, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, my Favorite Year. Uh, Casablanca. Mm -hmm. I have Casablanca. You know, you can't actually be like you know a walking around adult without you know seeing and loving that one. How many is that? That would be seven, I think. Seven. Okay, I can give you three more. Um, let's see. What can I leave out? Um, I love Galaxy Quest. I I show oh, that in yeah. class about a couple of times a year. Um, I'm a Big fan of let's see, gotta be a few others. It's, it's, there's too many things I I wanted to. Well, what am I thinking? Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, gotta have that. And just to be different. Let's see, it's gotta be something different. Um, oh, I'm a big fan of the Stuntman. Actually, if you've ever seen that one, I've never. You should. You would the like stunt it. Stuntman. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. 1980, I think it was. Peter O'Toole, Barbara Hershey. I love yeah. him. Yeah, you'll like it. If you love him, you'll love this movie. It's it's great. And The Lion in Winter is good. Yes. Inherit the Wind is good. There's lots of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. It's Actually, in a couple of weeks, I am fulfilling a lifelong fantasy. Um, right here in Jersey, there's going to be a screening at the NJ pack of Blazing Saddles, followed by a Q&A with Mel Brooks. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to be in the fourth row. Okay? Oh, my because, God. Because seats in the third row were $350. So we're not doing that. <laughs> but the fourth row. Still, fourth row. Then you can do it. You know. Very cool. Yeah. God, I would drive to Jersey to see that. <laughs> well, I don't have a ticket for you. My whole family's going to be there. Uh, I'll sneak in. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Tickets are definitely still available because I heard a, an ad for it on the radio. Wow. That is yeah. so cool. I'm saying. <laughs> well, on that note, I just want to thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's talking to you, and um, I'm looking forward to your next book. Me too. So, <clears throat> excuse me, on that note, I'll just uh, conclude by reminding you that you can get the Crime Cafe Story Package 
from my website, debbiemack.com, and click on Crime Cafe, where you can also buy Crime Cafe merchandise like t-shirts, coffee mugs, etc., etc. And uh, with that, I will conclude the program. And thank you again, Jeff. It's been wonderful talking to you. And it's always fun, Debbie. Thanks. Sure thing. And we'll be back again in two weeks. Thanks. <laughs>